You're listening to the Desperation Podcast, a generation in desperate pursuit of God. www.desperationonline.com. Give Jesus a hand clap. He's the one that deserves it. Glory to God. Amen. Well, you can be seated. Wow, that guy talked so fast. He said more in five minutes than I may say in an hour. You can't tell I'm from the South. Now, a couple of weeks ago, there was a movie on TV. And the name of that movie was Man on Fire. And I said, that right there is me. I said, now that, that movie, I don't know what all's in the movie and I didn't really watch it, but I said, I like that title right there. When I came to Colorado Springs, I said, you know what? I'm going to wear my man on fire jacket. Because I heard that there was a furnace up here. So I, I just came to blend in with the fire tonight. Now, you know, down, down in Louisiana, we say fire. Ask somebody, do you have the fire? Do you have the fire? I want to ask somebody, do you have the fire? You got to say it. Do you have the fire? Well, it's awesome to be here tonight. I want you to turn with me. I know you have your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit really knows everything and is in all of us and it's the same spirit operating in and out of all of us. Uh, the brother that was just up here, Brother Spears, I don't remember his first name. He kind of said in just a, a, a short form what I feel the Holy Spirit has placed on my heart to share with you in the next couple of minutes. Uh, you know, it's one thing to feel God's love personally and to know that love. And, you know, no other religion can offer that. No other God reveals his love. I was ministering. Uh, I love Greek food. And uh, I was uh, ministering. I was at one of our uh, the Greek restaurants in Baton Rouge. We have Greek, great Greek food there for some reason. I don't know why. And so we were eating Greek and Lebanese food. And uh, one of the guys that works there is Lebanese. And he came and he began to talk. And he's a Muslim. And he he had seen me on television and knew that I was a, a Christian. And so he wanted to do something where Christians and Muslims get together and all talk about how it's really all the same thing and we can all get along and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I, he was talking. I said, uh, let me ask you a question. I said, have you ever felt the presence of Allah? And he, he said, huh? I said, no, have you ever felt the presence of Allah? I said, you know, like, do you know that he loves you? That, has he ever revealed his love to you? He, he looked at me and he, he asked me to repeat the question again. And so finally I said, I said, you know, I think I can answer that question for you. I think the answer is no. You've never felt the manifested presence of Allah. And he, he couldn't really even grasp what I was saying because the idea was so foreign to him. They pray five times a day to a God that they've never felt. To a God that 
has never revealed love to them, has never manifested love to them, never will manifest love to them. Allah is simply a, some demon that's being worshipped. And, you know, it's great to feel the love of God. Thank God that we feel the love of God. You can feel the love of God in here tonight as the worship was was going forth and, and they were singing, and, you know, as I seek you, I'll find you, as I find you, I'll find your love. And, 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 and that was prophetic song that was just flowing in just the love of God. But there is a far different dimension from knowing and feeling the love of God and releasing and manifesting that love yourself. And 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 what our brother was just saying a second ago is exactly what the Lord placed on my heart because what God, I believe what the Lord is saying is he's he's prophetically bringing this group right now to a different place. See, when you start the year, you're just excited to pray. You're just excited to be here. You're just excited that God brought you to this place in this awesome atmosphere, this awesome, this, this globe. I, I've never been here in the world person, but I mean, I just feel the presence of God in this place. And you're excited about that. But at some point, this year is going to come to an end. And, and God is trying to bring each and every one of you to a certain place, to a, cer to a certain destination before you finish here. You know, in our internship, I see kids come in and some of them just go for it with everything they've got. When the year ends, they have really come from one place to another in God. While other kids come and don't apply themselves and just kind of float. They just kind of float. There's always that temptation just to kind of float, just to kind of be there. You're here, but you're not really here. Yeah, we're praying, but really we're talking, whether it's to somebody else or in our mind. And we're not locked in with heaven. And and we we don't allow the Spirit of God to take us from that place that we were to that place that He wants to take us. You know, it would be a shame for you to finish this year and not be able to tangibly describe what's different about you now than what was there at the beginning of the year. It would be a waste of your time and the staff's time for you to have been here one year and kind of floated and not caught something. See, what you're catching is not that God loves you. Hopefully you already caught that. What you're catching is a passion and a love for the harvest. Because you see, you know, I, I admire this man for going to Nepal. And I, I've been over in Southeast Asia, and I guess it's the same in all their cities, because I went to Korea. And I'm telling you, when I got back from Korea, I, I stunk for a week. I could smell Korea in my skin. And and it's it's not easy. I'm going to tell you right now, the food is horrible. It's not good. And, and it's difficult. But the passion there to go there and give his life, him and his wife. And may... You know, so, sometimes when you say, well, I don't know if I would do that. But as a believer, and no matter what you're called to do, God is wanting to infuse in you a passion for the harvest. And that passion for the harvest will, will dominate your life no matter where you are. I happen to be in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and, and my heart is dominated 
with a passion for the harvest in Baton Rouge, just like our brother is for Nepal. And you know what? Baton Rouge isn't very exotic. And thank God it doesn't stink. And the food is real good. But God has given me a passion for the harvest there. And I remember as I was moving into youth ministry, the Lord uh, moved to my heart. He said, find out how many young people are in this region. And I found out there's 120,000. The Lord brought me to Jonah 4.10 and he said, where he said, there's 120,000 in this city. And you know, God loved every one of those 120,000. As a matter of fact, God was even concerned about the donkeys and the dogs in Nineveh. That's how, that's how the, I mean, we can't even understand that. But that's, God was concerned about that. The Lord said, what are you going to do about 120,000 young people that are headed to hell? What are you going to do? And you know what? As we begin to pray, such a passion and a burden. See, there's a word, burden right there. A burden begins to come into you. Because sometimes, you know, young people are passionate about life. They're passionate. But a burden brings a specified target to that passion. And maybe that's what it is that God is, is birthing. Maybe you came into this thing passionate, but you haven't really had a burden for something particular. Because when you get a burden, you become obsessed. How do you know you have a burden? You become obsessed. This guy who just got up here is obsessed. I can tell you that right now. I, I can just look at him and tell you he's obsessed. And you know what? As you pray, God begins to drop that obsession for the harvest in you. Or you would do anything, go anywhere, that you would, you would give it all. Now, let's look in this passage, and I want to define. See, I said to you that everybody that came into this, inter, this internship, prayer internship furnace, was not in the same place. Some of you were deeply spiritual. Some of you maybe had just began your walk with the Lord in a way, and, and you weren't yet that deep in your spirituality. But no matter what, God wants to bring everybody to another place. No matter who you are. So I want us to kind of look at the journey from being just somebody who is saved and spirit-filled, which I pray that everybody everybody in here is spirit-filled, right? Everybody in here speaks in tongues, right? Okay, some of y'all looked at me like I'm crazy. You know, shaka tala bala bola bala bala hala bala kala bala shala. That's what I'm talking about. And so let's see the journey over from the realm of God loves me over into the realm of I love people. I have a burden for people. I have a passion for the harvest. Let's see that. The Lord, the Lord really began to drop this in my heart. And I hope I don't trip over all these rocks. Hallelujah. Okay, verse 1. If I can speak in any language in heaven or on earth, but didn't love others. I would only be making meaningless noise like a loud gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I knew all the mysteries of the future and knew everything about everything but didn't love others, what good would I be? If I had the gift of faith so that I could speak to a mountain and make it move, without love I would be no good to anybody. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, or the original says, surrendered my body to be burned. I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would be of no value whatsoever. 
Father, I thank you tonight you're going to speak to us. I thank you, Lord, that you're bringing us from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from immaturity to maturity. I thank you that you're broadening and changing our perspective. For maturity is a shift in perspective. And I thank you, Father, that you're shifting our perspective. Even tonight, by the word of God, I pray, Lord, that not one person would finish this furnace internship without having been changed, without having received a burden, without having a passion for the harvest, Lord, without having advanced into something deeper in your kingdom. I thank you, Father, that deep calls out to deep. Deep cries out to deep, Lord. And I thank you that the deep things of the Spirit are crying out to be known by us and to be possessed by us as believers. And I thank you, my Father, that tonight you're going to reveal yourself to us. I thank you that your anointing is upon me to minister the word and you're anointing every person here to receive your word, Lord. I pray that you would put a hunger inside them to lap up every morsel of revelation that you're releasing tonight out of the spirit tonight. I thank you, Father God, that you're speaking to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. I tell you, I love to pray. I tell you, I, I love this idea. Furnace internship. Hallelujah. If I could speak in any language or in tongues. And I didn't love others. I was, now, Paul is going to begin to contrast the love for others with the things that we tend to hold so dear. And he begins here by speaking in tongues, praying in the Spirit, praying in a tongue, both in heaven and in earth. And you know, prayer has power. But prayer is not the end of what God has for us. God did not put us on the earth to pray any more than he did to worship. Now some of y'all, I'm messing some of y'all up right now. We're here to worship. No, we're not here to worship. God didn't, God didn't say to Adam and Eve, stay here in the garden, strum on a guitar and worship me. He said, be fruitful. And multiply and take dominion. They fouled that up. So Jesus had to come give us another shot to establish the kingdom. He said the kingdom of God is near. When Jesus got ready to leave, he didn't say, go to Jerusalem and have 24-hour a day prayer. He said, go and wait on the power of the Holy Spirit that you may be witnesses. The Great Commission says, go and make disciples of all nations. So we pray in order to empower us to fulfill. We praise and we worship as, a, as an expression of our, our joy and gratitude for what Jesus did on the cross. But you see, I, I get so sick of hearing churches saying, what's your purpose? Our purpose is to worship. No, it's not. Any more than... A married couple's purpose is not to have sex, it's to have children. Yeah, we love intimacy with God. Just like when you get married, you can enjoy intimacy with your spouse. It's great. But you know what? That's not your purpose. Your purpose is to bring about generations. God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so he says here, yeah, we love to pray. We love to pray in the spirit and we love to pray. 
But that is not the end result of where he's trying to bring us. And maybe as you came into the furnace, maybe it was a big deal for you just to come and pray one hour. Maybe that was a big deal. You know, they say, thank God. I, can I, I actually prayed one hour. Maybe remember the first time you came and you prayed for an hour and your mind was never distracted one time. Boy, isn't that an awesome feeling? I, I love that feeling where, where I prayed a long time and my mind was not even act. I, I was totally connected with heaven. And you know what? God wants to teach you how to do that. God wants to teach you how to intercede. God wants to teach you. And, and I believe that all kinds of awesome teachings coming forth, no doubt. I, I feel the result of it. I can sense the result of it. But God says, don't be trapped into thinking that that's the end result. Don't be trapped into thinking that that's the end of the road. At some point, there has to come a tangible connection with the harvest. A tangible connection with the harvest. You know what? In our ministry, we love to pray. But the reason we love to pray is because prayer infuses our passion. So he says here, Paul says, listen, don't think it's the end result. What we just heard right there is the end result. That, that's why the leader of this ministry, he had him come because he's saying to you, I want you to pray. I want you to know how to pray. I want you to be passionate about prayer. But don't forget why. We want you to know how, but we don't, don't want you to forget why. Now let's look at this, the next thing. If I had the gift of prophecy, if I knew all the mysteries of the future, I knew everything about everything, but didn't love others, what good would I be? Now, the second arena that he deals with here is that of prophecy. Now, many, many people are enamored by the prophetic. They love the prophetic. You know, any, everybody loves to receive a prophetic word. Everybody loves for somebody to call them out Read their mail, even if it's even if it's stuff that you normally wouldn't want anybody to know. Just the fact that it's something supernatural from God, you just eat it up. You love the prophetic, and you know what? It's so awesome as God, by the Spirit of prophecy, begins to reveal all things, mysteries, revelation. You read the Word of God, and the Spirit of prophecy comes on a particular part of Scripture, as we heard earlier, Psalm twenty-seven. God put a particular unction on that verse of Scripture in that young man that shared. And, and that the Holy Spirit begins to reveal a rhema word to you, which you should pursue every day. Every day. Because if you're not reading your Bible every day and not strong in the Word, you are not even on your way to operating in the love of God in the heart. You can't say, I have a passion for the harvest, but I don't have a passion for the word of God. Because a passion for the word comes before a passion for the harvest. And you know what? Sometimes I hear Christians say, especially young people, because that's why I'm around all the time. They say, well, you know what? I love to pray, but I don't really like to read my Bible. Or they may not say I don't like to read it, but it's just not my thing. I just like to pray. And I say, that's an ignorant statement right there. 
Because without the word, you don't know how to pray. It's just mindless babblings. The word of God teaches you how to pray. The word of God teaches you who Jesus is, that you might commune with him. And so we can't say we have a passion for the harvest if we don't have a passion for the word. And of course, if you have a passion for the word, you will have a passion for prayer. But we take it another step. We take it to the prophetic, the unction, revelation. Not only that, but foresight and insight. And oh, how we enjoy that. You know, we could probably tonight begin to flow into prophetic in here and, and begin to say what God is saying now and what God is wanting to do in the future. And we could just roll with it. We could, we could get the music flowing and we could prophesy. And you know what? I love doing that. I love moving in the prophetic. I love the river of God to flow. I love the unction of the Holy Spirit to begin to flow. I love it when that engine of the Spirit begins to flow and you begin to prophesy and you begin to minister, whether you're exhorting, whether you're encouraging, whether you're bringing a word of correction, whatever it is, we love it for the prophetic to flow. But Paul's saying, there's something more. And listen, God has used me in the prophetic I love the prophetic. I've done schools of prophecy. I mentor people in the prophetic. I, I love it. But you know what? The prophetic is nothing without the harvest. And there's nothing worse than a bunch of super spiritual believers sitting around prophesying over each other new seasons and new levels and doing nothing about those who are dying and going to hell. And I don't have any time for that. And I'm all for words of exhortation. I'm all for the prophetic. I believe we need it. I believe it's relevant. I believe it's on time. I believe the Spirit of God speaks. I believe He manifests His voice. But it's for the purpose of the harvest. It should simply be to grease the wheels of the harvest machine. You know, oil is no good unless it's lubricating. You can't drink it. You can't bathe in it. You can't play with it. You can't do anything with it. It's for the purpose of lubrication. Without lubrication, you're in trouble. You've ever tried to drive your car without oil or not changing your oil? Especially some of you girls, maybe. Light came on. You thought it was cute. You found out when the steam started coming out of the engine that you need oil. And I believe we need the prophetic. It greases the wheels of the harvest combine. And it gives us direction. It, keep us, it keeps us on focus. It keeps us from being distracted. But he says, if you had the gift of prophecy and knew everything about everything and you did not have a passion, if you did not share the passion of God for the loss, for the harvest, for people, for souls, it would mean Sometimes in the charismatic world, we've glorified the prophetic and the gifts beyond the gold the purpose of the gifts. Third thing he says here. If I had the gift of faith so that I could speak to a mountain and make it move without love, I would be no good to anybody. Now we come to faith, the faith of God. Oh, God's been speaking to me for three months about faith. I've probably preached 50 messages on faith in the last three months. So many times we're lacking faith, true faith. We, we've not allowed God to test our faith. We've gone the safe route 
and not put our neck out on the line. You know, for some people, the test of faith is financial. Anybody in here ever struggled in, with money? Okay. At this stage, probably everybody. Sometimes that test of faith, it can be in our physical bodies. My test of faith has been in my physical body. When I was 12, I began to have kidney problems. When I was 16, my kidneys failed. And I was placed on kidney dialysis. And for three days a week, I've been in the clinic for 12 years having dialysis treatment. And I believe in God for a complete healing. And my faith is getting stronger and stronger. It's like Romans 4 said about Abraham, that his faith never wavered, but in fact grew stronger. 24 years, he waited for his breakthrough. But then Isaac came. And I believe in God for a complete manifestation of healing in my kidneys. That happens to be my struggle. Money's not really my struggle. It's my kidneys. And you know what? No amount of money can buy new kidneys. No amount of money can make up for not having working kidneys. For some people, their test of faith can be their marriage or it can be when you have children, they may be away from the Lord. All kinds of things test our faith. And I believe that God wants to infuse in us the faith of God. He wants us to learn how to walk by faith and not by sight. Now we're taking it to a whole nother level. We're taking it to a whole nother dimension where we're walking in faith. And the, and the Lord wants to strengthen your faith. I, I remember when the Lord said to me, he said, I want you to grow to a thousand. I said, Lord, we have 70. Can't you set it at 200? Give me something I can do. And I said, no, if I set it any less than that, you'll be able to accomplish it under your own power. So when we did hit a thousand, I rejoiced. I danced, I praised, I had a party because I knew that it was only by faith that we accomplished that. First then the Lord said, now I want you to get three thousand. I said, oh God. It took me two years to get that. You know how long it took me to get another thousand? Six weeks. We grew from a thousand to two thousand in six weeks. That wasn't like one meeting we had. We literally grew. And I said, my God, the power of faith. Yes, there was a love for the harvest, but it had to be mixed with faith. Yes, I had to move a mountain of impossibility. God, nobody has ever done that in our city. Nobody's ever done that in our state. God said, do you believe me? Do you believe my word? Do you believe that my passion to save all 120,000 is there? I said, yes. The Lord continued to challenge me. After that, the Lord said, I'm giving you 5,000. Believe God for 5,000. Believe God for 5,000. Took us 16 months, two weeks ago. We arrived at 5,000. 5,000 disciples. 5,000 kids reading the word, receiving the word weekly, accountable, being raised up in an army. 
And you know what? We're getting ready to have a big old party. And now the Lord is already saying goodbye. How have you allowed the Lord to test your faith? Have you taken the easy route? Have you played it safe? Or have you just abandoned it all? You know, I'm going to mix this point with the next point because I want to I want to bring an illustration. He said, if I gave everything I have to the poor, giving, listen, giving will test everything that you are. You know, the Lord over the years has taught me about money and showed me about money. And I remember one time I was, I needed a thousand dollars and I had a hundred. And I was sitting there. I needed a thousand dollars, and I had a hundred. And I said, "God, I need you to help me get this thousand dollars." I began to pray, but then my mind began to work, and I began to think I could borrow this, I could shift this, I could sell that, and I think I might conjure up a thousand dollars. And the Lord said to me. That's not faith. That's you. That's your reasoning, your logic, your effort, your ability. You've completely insulted me and eliminated me from the process. I said, okay, God, I receive. I hear it. I hear you. What do you want me to do? He said, take that $100 and put it in the offering. Tonight, now. It's already night, church. We had a missionary there from India. He said, put it in the offering right now. I said, God, how about I give 20? God said, 100, all of it, every bit of it, throw it in there. I wrote a check, emptied my bank account, a week till payday, needed $1,000, much less money to live through this. Walked over there. Threw that in the offering bucket. And let me tell you, they talk about giving, cheerful giver. The cheerful part's by faith. The natural emotion should be tears. And as the worship began to play, I began to weep. And it wasn't because I felt the presence of God. I'm like, God, this is a forced fast. You're forcing me on a fast. I don't want to fast. I'm hungry. I can't even eat after this service. I'm going to have to go over to my parents' house and eat ham and cheese sandwiches for a whole week. You know, the devil's just just, just working on me. But I stepped out. I did it. And then the peace of God came. Next day, I'm standing in the foyer at the 12 o'clock service, last service, shaking hands. One of the last people to come out of the door shakes my hand, takes her hand away. There's something in my hand. Put it in my pocket. Forgot about it. Went out to eat later on, got home. It's empty in my pocket. Pulled that out of my pocket. Guess how much that covered? $1,000 on the dime. I could just see God sitting there in heaven going, You knucklehead. 
when are you going to listen to me? When are you going to have faith? Because you know what? I've learned something in my own life. I, I have a lot of responsibility. And, and the Lord has prospered the ministry and, and the work of my hands. But let me tell you this. At every venture in my life, I have to continually make a decision to go after faith. Because it's so easy for me to move to cruise control and autopilot and rely on my own gifts and abilities. You know what? I have gifts and abilities. God geared me to do what I do. In fact, it's about the only thing I can do, but I can do it good. In fact, if I'm not careful, I can do what I do without God. It won't, it won't succeed in the long run, but in the short term, I can do what I do without God. I can show up. I can lead worship. I can preach. I can, I can mentor. I can disciple. I, I can do it all. But God says, when are you going to step out there and rely on me? When are you going to get like Bugs Bunny off the cliff? You know how Bugs Bunny can run off the cliff, but he doesn't fall? And he realizes and he runs back on land? That's kind of how Peter did when he got out of the boat. He got out of the boat and he walked on water and then he freaked out and he sunk. And, he grabbed. and God said, at every point in time, you have a, some of you, you, your finances are a disaster. You need money. But the reason why your finances are so bad is because you hold on to every penny. And I think some of being in the furnace is you getting the heat turned up in your giving. Is, is, you, is you just emptying your bank account because what you have doesn't matter anyway. See, that $100 didn't matter towards 1000 anyway. But it sure made me feel good that I had 10%. Looking back, I see how ridiculous that was. I didn't have it and wasn't going to get it. I mean, what was I going to do? Go wash some dishes somewhere or something, try to get 900 bucks? That wasn't going to happen. No, I had no choice but to believe God. And it forced me to do something that taught me a lesson. I think part of the furnace it's not just the furnace of prayer, but it's the furnace of faith. It's the furnace of saying, you know what, God? I'm going to step out and believe God for you to do something crazy. And some of you, you need money for missions trips, and, and you're not even close. You know what? You need faith. It's not that God doesn't have the money, and it's not that he doesn't want to give it to you. It's just that without faith, he can't be pleased. Did you know that God is not moved by crying? I liken it to this. You can get in a car and you can beg the car to start. You can cry, scream, holler. You can get out of the car and kick the tires. You can pull a Britney Spears and beat it with a crowbar. But it's not going to start. Because you need the key. And you know what? That's a lot of times a trap that we get into with God. We cry, we plead, we threaten. Well, God, you don't come through. I'm just not going. I just can't go. It won't go. God said, I'm from heaven. Like, 
Michael, you see that? Gabriel, you see that? What what is Joel doing now? And and you know what? God wants to release it, but he's not moved except by faith. Now, when you release something out of your hand that shows your faith, you may cry. When when you when you have to fulfill what God requires in order to be proven as faith, you you probably will cry. That's the furnace. See, some of you, you're in the furnace, but you're really chilling. Some of you, you say you're in the furnace, but you haven't thrown yourself in yet. You see, Jesus was in the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it was a step of faith they took to get in there with him. See, they said, oh, king, our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we still ain't bound. We don't need our God to intervene to even prove that we know he's our God. We don't even need God to give a sign or a miracle for our faith to be released. And guess what? They got a first-class ticket to stand next to the Messiah. Ah, well, that's a distinction. And some of you, you haven't taken that step of faith that really got you a trip to the furnace. See, it's great. Furnace is a great name. I love it. But you know what? It doesn't mean anything if you don't jump in it head first. The furnace is like a pool. And some of you have been like that, those type of people that put their little toe in. That's how my wife is. She sticks her toe in and squeals. My wife is hilarious. She has a hilarious voice. She has a hilarious laugh. See, I, I laugh at my wife all the time. She just amuses me. She just, she's just the joy of my life. And, and I love to bring her swimming because if the pool is not over 80 degrees, she is going to squeal and holler and moan until I throw her in and she doesn't speak to me for about an hour. It's great. I love it. She's so feisty. And so she sticks her little toe in. Well, I'm the kind of guy, I, I, I think that that's miserable. You know how, and then you finally get in and it's up to your waist and then every inch that it touches on your stomach, it's colder and you're like, but some people walk down to the diving board. You might stand there a minute. I might stand there a minute. But sooner or later, I just walk right up there and and done with it. I'm totally wet, and I get used to it. And you know what? Some of you did that. Some of you came to this furnace, and you jumped. But some of you, you tested the waters a little bit. And you, every little step of the way. And you just, you just need to dive right on in. You just need to get right on in this thing. You just need to say, God, whatever it is, it's finances, it's relationship, whatever it is, I'm ready. I'm diving in. When, when does the furnace end? May 10th. Listen, you don't have long. Some of you, you've waited a long time, but it's, it's not too late. Dive in. Jump in. Jump in to the, to the furnace, to the fire. What are we saying? We say we're in the furnace. That means we're uncomfortable. Look, heat is not comfortable to us. 
Humans are not made for fire, in case you noticed. So yeah, it's all spiritual, but what are we saying in reality? When you say, I want in the furnace, you're saying, God, burn my flesh. God put me in a place where I'm forced to cry out to you. If the only time you pray is when you come here, you're not in the furnace. Look, I've lived a lot of my life in the furnace. When you're in the furnace, you're up at four in the morning crying out, God, I need you to move. When you're in the furnace, you say, you know what? Lunch is great with all my buddies, but I need to go to the car and turn on some worship music and weep a little bit. Because you know what? I, I got some things going on that are real uncomfortable. I got some things, I got some things that just, hmm. And you know what? When I come out on the other end, there's been weeping and dure all night, but joy is going to come in the morning. And, and, and this is, God is saying this tonight. Okay. Now, he says, and, and I'm moving here. He, I, I cover giving. He said, if I had, I gave everything to the poor. He said, and I surrendered my body to be burned. Now, the fifth word is surrender. Tongues, prophecy, faith, giving, surrender. The yielding, the, the Bible says those who are led of the Spirit, these are the sons of God. Surrendering your life and saying, God, I, you know, it's funny to me to watch 18-year-olds presume to know what God has for them in their life by figuring out in their mind. I remember one girl came to her youth ministry, and she she loved the Lord, but she wanted to go into dentistry. And thank God for dentistry. But after two years of being in the ministry, she moved to LSU from another part of the state, got in our ministry. After about two years in our ministry, she realized that dentistry had nothing to do with what God had for her. And as a college student and where you're at, eventually you're going to have to surrender to what God has for you. And you know what? You may not like it at first. You know what? The one thing I did not want to do in the ministry was to be a youth pastor. I vowed I will not be a youth pastor. I don't want to be a youth pastor. I don't want to babysit a bunch of kids. I'm a preacher, bless God, and I'm going to preach in the big church. And guess what? And you know what? I love it. The passion of my life. If I had not been obedient and surrendered in that one decision, I would I would have missed a life calling. I would have missed a life calling. Man, now when I see young people raised up and discipled and saved, whatever, delivered, it is the joy of my heart. Surrender. Surrender. You've got to surrender and to surrender. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must put aside your selfish ambition. See, some of you are spiritualizing what you want to do. You're in the furnace to be spiritual, but you're going to college to do what you want or what your mama wanted you to do. 
or what your boyfriend wants you to do or somebody somewhere. And you're not really surrendered to the Spirit of God. Surrender. One day of surrender will get you further than a lifetime of ambition. And see, I watch young people, and it's a carnality and and an immaturity. When people spiritualize their ambition, they try to make what they want to do spiritual. When in the end, it has nothing to do with what God is really saying and wanting for them. It's just like people who want to marry somebody that is not for them. They make it all spiritual. They get them a scripture. And they say, we pray together. And, and when spiritual authority has said, that's not God. And there is a there is a surrender that God wants to bring. And some of you, for you to go to the next level, you just got to move out of prayer into the word. Some of you, it's moving from discipline and revelation and the prophetic into faith, supernatural faith. Some of you, it's moving from supernatural faith into the giving of even your life, anything and everything to God. Whatever God says, you'll give it to him. If it's a year, if it's 10 years, if it's your life, if it's give up a relationship, if it's give money, whatever it is, you'll give it. That may be your next level. Maybe your next level is total surrender to the Spirit of God. I say to God, I say, God, whatever you want me to do, I want to do. You want me to go mentor some junior high kids that are full of the devil and rebellious and rambunctious that I could just slap upside the head. That's where I want to be. God, whatever you want me to do. And you know, the Lord said to me, I want you to go to Colorado Springs. And last night, they texted and said, oh, there's a blizzard this night. We may not be able to get back. There's a lot of things happening. And I started thinking, well, maybe I'll go later. And the Lord said to me, did I not tell you to go up there? I said, yes, I did. And I, I called back and said, I don't care. I'm going. Fire up the jet. We're going. But you know why? You've got to be surrendered. And, and I, I must, Paul said, Romans 1 1, Paul, a, a slave of Christ Jesus. You know, yes, we're kings and we rule with God. Yes, we're the friend of God. Yes, we're the sons of God, but we also have to have a revelation of being a slave of God. I'm a slave of God. When God looks, I move. You know how when you're growing up, your mama can just give you that look like, if you don't shut up, I'm going to kill you. Well, my mom, she could look at me like, even smiley, like, you don't shut up right now, Joel, I'm going to kill you. You know what? I knew that look because I know my mother. And you know what? I want to know God in such a way where all God has to do is just look at me. And I, yes, sir. Come on, I'm moving. David said, like a slave girl watching her mistress, that slave girl would wait behind the column while the big party, the meal, the fancy guest, maybe the king was there. And that mistress would sit in her place. And that slave girl had been there since a little girl and had known the mistress. And that mistress, when the time had come for one course of the meal, she would just look over and give one look to the 
saved girl. And the saved girl would go and get everybody in the kitchen. They would come out, pick up the dishes, bring the next up. And nobody knew how they knew it was the perfect time every time. But it was that little slave girl in the shadows watching for that signal from the mistress. That's how God speaks. You know, maybe tonight when I say the Holy Spirit said, that's the voice saying, you say, boy, I wish God would speak to me like that. He's speaking all the time. God's like a radio station. He's been broadcasting 24-7. The only problem is you're not picking him up. You're not watching him close enough. You're not, maybe, maybe it's not, maybe it's not even that. Maybe you're not even in the right position. Maybe you hadn't even, maybe you're so busy trying to sit down at the meal and be important that you haven't realized you're the slave girl watching every move. Then God, I surrender. God, I love praying in tongues. God, I love praying. I love prayer meetings. I love prayer meetings. God, I love the prophetic. God, I love faith. God, I love giving. God, I love surrender. But I know these things are bringing me to the place that if you don't have love, there's Listen, if at some point in time you don't arrive at the place of maturity in your passion and burden for the harvest, you haven't succeeded. You haven't caught what I know they want you to catch here. I know the spirit of this ministry. I know the heart here. I feel it. I don't need to sit around here for three weeks or a month or a year in evaluation. I, I can feel it. But let me tell you something. I'm here to challenge you tonight. I don't know what level you're at. I, I, I like to preach messages like this because I like for people to silently evaluate themselves. Listen. Peter said, be honest in your estimate of yourself. I think we should be honest right now in our estimate of ourselves. In fact, I want you to close your Bibles. And I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to just begin to reflect for just a minute because my mission here tonight is to give insight in where you are. See, you, you'll never know where you're going if you don't know where you are. And a lot of you, you you're drifting and you're doing, and you're, you're, you're doing the best you can, but you really don't know where you are. And maybe you've been praying, God, what do you want me to do? But first you need to, where am I at? You know what? A map doesn't do me any good if I don't know where I'm at. I could have a map of Arizona, and that's great, but if I'm in New Mexico, it doesn't do me any good. Some of you, you're trying to get a word from God before the end of this furnace, some of you are freaking out. You're saying, God, I've been in this thing a whole year. I thought you were going to speak to me. I thought you were going to reveal to me. And he hasn't. Because you don't know where you are. Tonight, God may be revealing to you where you are. And you know what? Your step one, prayer, love of prayer, you love prayer. Hey, that's great. I'm not here. I'm not here to put down anybody. I'm here to exhort you and encourage you. I'm here to do what the fivefold ministry is supposed to do, and that's to bring maturity in the body of Christ into the full stature of Christ Jesus. I'm not here to tell you how great you are. I'm here to tell you where you are. Evaluate yourself up to the standard of the Word of God in the person of Jesus.
Maybe tonight you're like that person who said, if I could speak in any language in heaven or earth, you, you love prayer. But you haven't moved to that place of consistency and passion for the Word of God. Maybe if you were honest with me tonight, you would say, Joel, you know what? I don't have a daily reading plan. I don't have a consistent reading plan that I read every day. I'm not as hungry for the Word of God as I am for food. I don't wake up every morning with the Word on my mind. I don't meditate day and night on the Word of God. You know, this morning, like most mornings, I had my fix of the Word of God before I even had a bite of food. You know what? I can honestly say that I pray and have been able to maintain this season of my life such a hunger for the Word that I'm literally more concerned and hungry for the Word than I am for food when I wake up in the morning. And it is my prayer right now that God would begin to birth that in your heart. Those of you who want that birth in your heart, just lift your hand right there. Just lift it up for the Lord. Father, I thank you. Tonight, you're stirring up a desperation as this ministry is associated with in the nation for the word of the living God. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.